Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, June 19th, 2023. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So summer's here, man. It has been hot in France. I did get, I got a respite because I took the train down to Lausanne, Switzerland to spend a couple days at, at IMD um, Business School there. And it was actually cooler there on the lake. And what a setting, man. I mean, the Alps are like, you know, on Lake Geneva, you've got the Alps in the background and and a very uh, beautiful business school campus on the lake. So pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, no, absolutely fantastic. Sounds like a bit of a boondoggle. <laughs> Wait, what does that word mean? Well, I don't know, but it sounds like it was a bit more fun than it was work. But oh, oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was just nice, and they, you know, I met a bunch of students, uh, and and you know, one of them was like a user of ClearAdmit.com, which was cool. And uh, yeah, they have a you know, it's a small MBA program. Uh, Riding me a little bit of tuck in that it's like very you know intimate setting. People are pretty outdoorsy too because they have that access to the mountains. And um, no, it was, and it's super international though. Yeah. Like an INSEAD or something, because it's you know incredibly international, but um, small class, so very cool. Yeah, no, uh, very good. So, let's see. In terms of um, news and things going on, um, is there? I, I, I've seen people posting on the site. I noticed this yesterday on Livewire. People are there's been a little bit of like waitlist movement, which then prompts everyone else who's kind of on the waitlist to say, you know, oh. You know, it, you know, is that it? Is there still going to be more? Someone asked a question about how late one can get in off of a wait list. Yeah. And so I wanted to ask you, I mean, you were at Wharton. Like, was there ever, like, how late did you ever take someone? When preterm starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's so what I thought, right? Li- literally, um, summer wait list is a smaller group of folks that have signaled to the school, mostly, that they're very flexible and will show up as soon as they're um, admitted. And um, schools want to enroll. Most schools will target a particular class size. Mm-hmm. So yeah, once once they get on campus and see real life bodies, they know what their class size is. They might need to go back to their um, summer wait list. Um, and yeah. we did see um, a bit of movement um, this last week at Booth. Yeah, um, a couple of people coming off the wait list. Um, and what does that mean? It means those folks were probably in other schools' classes. Yeah. You know, so trickle down. in tiers in the tier below. So so you get that trickle down effect. So it's not over till it's over. Yeah. Um, activity <laughs> is a lot slower, but um, there is this little bit of movement. Yeah. Now I will say, I think my experience with summer waitlist is that when you go to it, if it's you know if it's July or August and preterms beginning and you don't have enough people, you typically you're not taking the candidate who applied from the Philippines or Tahiti. You usually have a fairly local, or or at least you know that the candidate you're going to take is likely to be able to show up at a, on a you know on a moment's notice. Be able to show up, willing to show up. Yeah. So they want some degree of certainty too. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one thing I wanted to mention to everyone who's tuning in is this Wednesday, we're doing a great event. I think this is um, terrific for both prospective candidates and people who've maybe already um, gotten in somewhere. And it's a Real Humans students and alumni event that we're doing. Uh, Mike and Vic on our team have organized this. And we've got uh, current students and alumni from Wharton, NYU, MIT, Michigan, and Dartmouth Tuck. Uh, and they're all going to be, it's going to be sort of a, you know, ask me anything type um, format as far as I understand it. So you can sign up for that at bit.ly forward slash real humans MBA. It's this Wednesday at noon Eastern. So that should be fun. This is kind of the first big one of these that we've done. We'll see how it goes. 
Very good. Looking forward to it. Yeah, and then after that... Well, I you... say looking forward to it. That's a bit disingenuous. I'm looking forward to you guys hosting it and having a great time. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you'll probably be at the pub when this uh, when we air this one, right? <laughs> More than likely. Yeah. So, and then we've got in July our regular Essay Insight series with a whole bunch of um, amazing top MBA programs, bit.ly forward slash essay to sign up for that series. It's every Wednesday in July, again, at noon Eastern. So join us for that. Uh, Alex, over on the website, we've run a couple of admissions tips. Uh, it's kind of that time of year where you know candidates are starting to work on applications and get going. And so we did a tip about thinking about the business school campus, which you know sometimes people don't really take into account or they're not focused on that. So just you know has a whole bunch of kind of insights into what you should be thinking about as you um, investigate a school's facilities and location and things. And then we have another tip about, which is related, about making your list of business schools. And, you know, you and I recorded videos that cover a lot of this, I think, in far greater detail um, as part of the Admissions Academy, uh, which, you know, you can get on our website if you are registered and join Clear Admit Plus. Um, we have some exciting so does, news coming does up. That, does that tip include a link? to those videos? You know, that's a good question. I have to look and see. I had them up on my screen. Now I'm never going to find them. But um, it should if it doesn't, and I'll, I'll check. But we have, yeah, we're, stay tuned because we have some kind of cool news about access to these videos, um, which I'm hoping maybe next week we'll be able to talk more about. But um, but yeah, so those are good, just, you know, getting started advice things. And then the other thing is we continue to cover Alumni from top schools, you know, connecting with with those who are working at big companies and and companies that you know are, are typically targets for MBA grads. So we connected with a woman named Allison who went to Indiana Kelly, graduated back in 2020, and she's at Deloitte as a senior consultant, originally from Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And she said this was kind of an interesting. I think you'll love this. <laughs> she said when mapping out classes. Pick a few courses that are completely outside of your wheelhouse, but interest you. Many of the jobs you and your classmates will have post-MBA will require you to navigate ambiguity. So taking a course that you may not be as naturally skilled in will help build the skill set. There's something really rewarding about taking a class with the sole goal of learning something new and challenging yourself. Yeah, and actually that um, sort of advice really goes well with programs that have great non-disclosure. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. And also, I mean, I think some programs have, I want to say most of them, you can tap into like a wide range of things that are even beyond the MBA, right? So if you want to take yeah, yeah. a course in artificial yeah. intelligence or, you know, whatever it yeah. might be, um, you can do that at most of these universities. Uh, then we talked to this guy named Toby who graduated from LBS and he works at Bain as a consultant. And he had a really um, very basic piece of advice that I thought was um, salient. He said, the MBA is what you make of it and is your experience to, your, to, to own. So you're going to own this experience. And then he said, be clear on what your priorities are and be deliberate in building your mastery. So I, so I think he's kind of saying, you know, if you know what you want to do, like go after it and, and you yeah. know, take the right classes, really build that expertise as you travel through the, the program. Which again is the reason why goals are so important. Yeah, totally. Uh, and then we connected with Jordan, who went to Rice Business School, graduated in 22, works at Goldman Sachs as an investment banking associate. Uh, Jordan's originally from Houston, Texas. And he said, I spoke to people, many people prior to getting my MBA, and I would encourage people to connect with individuals that are a generation or two post-MBA and see how the MBA has impacted their professional and personal lives. So I think 
the point he's making there, which is a really good one, is I feel like there's a tendency to talk to current students or to talk to like recent grads, you know, that might be still somewhat in your peer group. Uh, whereas he's saying, go, go talk to someone who graduated like, you know, 10 years ago or more, um, who's not the same generation as you and see what they have to say about the degree. Yeah. So that was good. And then our last one is Christine from Foster. Uh, at University of Washington in Seattle. And she graduated in 22, works at Amazon as a senior product manager. Uh, she hails from Cantonsville, Maryland. And she said, her advice uh, to people is she said, well, if I could do it again, I would have worried less. I think most MBA students can relate to the intense pressure to land a job offer. And that pressure intensifies when you see friends and people around you getting offers and landing really cool opportunities. Spending your time and energy worrying doesn't actually help you to be better. It just makes you anxious <laughs> and distracted. And that's not the positive mindset that you need going into an interview. So she's saying relax. Because, I mean, obviously she, she landed at Amazon, so she did fine in the end, right? But it sounds like yeah. she was a little nervous going through it all. But, but also tech recruiting happens after consulting and banking recruiting. Yeah, so it's hard. Hence the stress for those seeking out those tech jobs. Yeah, and forget about it. If you're going to try to join a startup or something really small yeah. or niche, you know, then you're, yeah, it's, it takes a long time. So, um, yeah. all right. Yeah. So uh, obviously, Alex, we love to get mail. So if, if you're tuning into this episode, folks, please send us a note, info at clearadmit.com with any feedback or questions. We're always happy to take listener mail and, and cover it on the show. You can also review view and rate this podcast on whatever platform you are listening. Uh, beyond that, Alex, I know you picked out some candidates. And, and last week, we had a really long episode. So we're going to try to get to the candidates more quickly this week. But anything else that you wanted to tackle before we do that? Yes, I'm going to stop you for a change. Uh oh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, actually, on a bit of a, a more sort of serious note, um, I just wanted to um, acknowledge um, a colleague of ours, or certainly someone I knew very well in MBA admissions during my time when I was at University of Delaware and at Wharton School, um, Laurie Stewart, oh, who yeah. passed away yes. um, that in, in the la over the last couple of weeks. Um, she was a real leader at Tepper um, when, when I was, um, at, like I say, at Delaware and at Wharton, and a great friend in the industry yeah. um, throughout that time and went on to work at Forte Foundation and has had a big impact um, with that um, organization over several years. And yeah, I've seen quite a few of my colleagues or ex-colleagues, I should say, um, you know, reaching out and, 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 and whatever over Laura's passing. And, and it is very sad. She was a terrific human being and had a, a big sort of influence in MBA admissions over several years. Yeah, I remember her because when we first started ClearAdmit, even though I'd worked in admissions, there was, it's always, you know, we were kind of nervous when we'd go and talk to schools or try to get schools to yeah. come and do um, news items on our website. And she was a tepper and she was always like so friendly and just a real friend to Clear Admit. Yeah. And, and then later at Forte as well. I mean, I think um, she was the reason that we were able to connect with some of the people who, you know, um, work at Forte and, and have done some stuff with Forte as a result. So yeah, really good person. I was really sad and, and kind of shocked to hear um, that she'd passed. Yeah. So yeah, thanks yeah. for mentioning. Anyway, she's a terrific person. Certainly wanted to acknowledge um, um, her impact. And, um, and yeah, let's kick on. All right. All right. So this is Wiretaps candidate number one. 
So our first candidate, uh, Alex, this week that you picked is from an apply wire entry that we received. This candidate is applying now, so they're going to try to start in the fall of 24. Uh, they have Berkeley, Dartmouth, Duke, UCLA, Wharton, Darden, and Yale on the target list. And they've been working in climate and sustainability consulting as well as international development in their pre-MBA career. And after business school, they're looking at consulting. Uh, they've got Accenture, Bain, BCG, McKinsey, and PwC on the target list. Their GMAT score uh, is a 680. I believe they took it kind of cold, and so they're planning a retake. They have a 3.6 GPA, which they uh, secured from a top liberal arts school and studied environmental science and economics as their majors. Uh, they also have a six-month kind of certificate program that they completed in data science to help round out some of their technical skills. They've been working for five years. They're located in Washington, D.C., and they would like to stay in the Northeast or potentially head out to the West Coast, depending. And I have to say, I got to give them a shout out because they said, hi, Clear Admit team, longtime listener to the pod and first time poster here on The Wires. Sincere thanks for putting together so many helpful resources and cultivating this community. So that always warms our hearts to hear that kind of stuff. Um, but Alex, what do you make of this candidate? I, I should mention one other tidbit, which is, and I, now I don't see it, but I believe they are a, yeah, they are a Latino male. So I want to add that yeah. into the mix because I think that's a bit of an asset in their case. But what's your take on this candidacy? Yeah, I mean, they're going to retake the GMAT. They got a 680. They took it cold. So I would imagine that... The, if they could convert that into a 720 plus is sort of what they're targeting. Um, they've got a nice GPA, so I think the, the counting stats will make them eligible for any of the programs that they're targeting. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing their work experience is actually really good. Um, their concern, Graham, and this is, I'll just bounce this directly back to you, is... Um, um, and, I, and I'll read this out from their comments. I'm somewhat hesitant to target the most competitive programs as I'm worried adcoms might perceive my professional experience, which is small consulting firms, relatively, relatively niche issues, as a potential red flag. How do you respond to that, Graham? Uh, I would say that it's that's false. Like, I really am not worried about that at all. I mean, I think as long as they've done interesting things, I mean, first of all, they're working in a you know, niche space, right? Climate and sustainability consulting. And and so it wouldn't surprise me that there are specialized firms. Uh, this is also kind of a hot area. I mean, it's small, but it's an area that more and more candidates are interested in. And so having someone come into a program who's done that is like gold to me. I mean, they're going to be a great voice in the classroom. So I'm not worried about that at all. And I, I do recognize that, you know, they'll need strong recommendations, et cetera, but I'm, I'm not worried about that. Yeah. I do not think people get disqualified for not working at Goldman or McKinsey. But that, but again, it brings out a larger point. Um, do Does... Does the candidate from a brand name firm, you mentioned Goldman McKinsey, so we'll stick to those two brands, are they at an advantage in admissions over candidates from firms that Adcom are less familiar? It depends, right? I think, on so, so yes, on some levels, you see someone coming from McKinsey and yeah, it sort of ticks a box because you know they made it through that rigorous recruitment process. Yeah. At the same time, you do see a lot of people from McKinsey when you're reading files. So, you know, it, it doesn't necessarily help them to stand out. It certainly helps them to fit in, right? So yeah. I think that's that's the issue. This person will stand out, but they need to show that they can fit in as well, right? So it's, yeah. it's that's... But, and and, and I, I think it raises a little bit of another issue, but 
um, it's an issue that the, the, the candidate, it's up to the candidate to overcome. Like you said, if, if, if I've got McKinsey on my um, resume um, as, as, as a consultant, um, that, that already tells the adcom something about you, i.e. you've jumped through a bunch of hoops to get that opportunity. Right. For those that haven't worked at these sort of brand name firms, it's just incumbent then on those candidates to show through their impact at work, you know, the types of work they've done, their successes, and, and so on and so forth, so that they can, you know, be fairly compared with the folks that, that worked at McKinsey or Goldman or, or Amazon or whomever it is. Um, so um, the advantage is more, okay, I understand McKinsey versus whatever firm you someone else right. works at that I'm unfamiliar with. So you have to explain it more effectively. I yeah. guess that's my point. Yeah. So I think the only other thing I want to add about this candidate is we didn't talk about it much, but they have solid outside activities, both yeah. as an undergrad and currently they're an avid outdoorsman, they say, and sports enthusiast. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, when you look at the full package, I mean, remember they studied at a top of the arts college, econ and environmental science. So yeah you know, not art history like I did. So they, they you know, they studied real stuff, right? <laughs> um, and they're, you know, I, I feel like they're very qualified. I guess to me, if they can get that test score up, they should be applying to the very best business schools in the world, hands down. Like I just don't, yeah. I, I think that this is someone with the full package and they have interesting career goals. Uh, so I, you know, they were asking us like, where should they apply in round one versus round two? Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's a little yeah. tricky because their list may shift, but. I completely agree with you. Stanford's got to be on the list for me. Mm -hmm. um, and and that should be their real priority target school for round one. Stanford Wharton, they've got on their list, but they're lacking other M7 programs. So, yeah. you know, really go for it round one. Absolutely. If they want to be on, they, they want to be Northeast, West Coast, post MBA, they got to, like you say, aim for the very best. This is predicated on them coming back with that high GMAT score, but if you get a 680 cold, that, that's pretty good, I think. Yeah, I feel like they'll get the score up. And even if they, you know, even even if this person has a 700, I would still probably apply, yeah. you know, to top schools and at least in round one and see where yeah. the chips fall. Now, yeah. they have some schools on their list, you know, uh, Berkeley, that's like quite good for, you know, sustainability and things. Yeah. They've got, um, they're a big outdoorsman sports person. They have Tuck on their list. So I can see there's some affinities here that might be really great in terms of fit, right? So, but, but they yeah. need to, yeah, I would argue, go, go aim high. Um, yeah. Round one, get the test on ASAP, and then you know get ready to apply in round one to some top schools and see where the chips fall. But 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 just just think they don't really need to get that test on ASAP. They have got to get it done before round one deadline. Yeah, sorry, right? yeah, that's a fair um, point. So don't rush it. Really prep hard, and get that elite score. Yeah, good point. And target those elite programs all in round one. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. So good advice. I want to thank that person again for their post. Um, it's always nice to hear uh, kind words about the community on the site. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So our second candidate this week also comes from an apply wire entry. This person has eight schools on the target list, and they want to start next fall in, in 24. So they've got Columbia, uh, Dartmouth, Duke, Michigan, Kellogg, Rice, Wharton and Darden on the list. Uh, they've been doing consulting. Uh, they mentioned it's kind of research-based, like a research-based role for, they don't say which one, but they say for a McKinsey, Bain, or BCG firm. Uh, they are non-client facing. 
and it's private equity focused work. So I guess they're they're providing support and research. Um, I guess yeah. you could call it sort of back office, you know, not client facing type it role. It is back office. Yeah. Um, yeah. And after yeah. business school, they want to do consulting and they would love to do it at either Bain or McKinsey. So they, they want to stay in the same domain, but they want to flip to the front of the house, it sounds yeah. like. Um, yeah. GRE score is a 335, which is really high. They have a very strong uh, 3.86 GPA, four years of work experience. Uh, they would love to land in Texas post MBA, and currently they're located in India, where they've worked and done all their education. So, and they say that they're from a globally less prestigious university in India. Uh, it's a degree in business, concentration in finance. They have decent extracurriculars with somewhat limited nonprofit work. But as we've said before, your extracurriculars don't have to all be about um, saving the world. Um, but in any event, that's. That's the sort of basic candidacy here. I mean, they, they mentioned they were promoted once um, during their time uh, at wherever they are, McKinsey, Bain, or BCG. So, yeah, what do you make of this? Because this is an interesting, you know, it's a back office role at a top firm. So how does that play? Yeah, I mean, it, it's quite difficult, right? I think at the end of the day, you've got to own what, what the role is, right? So yeah. it's back office and their goal is to get front office um, in, in consulting. Um, but I imagine this is quite a typical role at you know, MBB firm um, coming coming out of um, 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 university in India. Yeah, and, probably. And, and so forth. But their, their numbers are really, really strong, right? So their GRE is 335. Yes, they didn't go to a more prestigious university for whatever reasons, but it, they perform well, right? 386. Yeah. Um, so I'm sort of getting this picture of someone that's, um, really sort of trying to plow, plow a, 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 a pathway forward um, and probably does very well in the roles that they have um, at whether it's McKinsey, Bain or BCG um, and so forth. So I would imagine that they're one of the top performers in that role and that would need to be supported by their recommenders and, and so forth. Um, so I think that's going to be very important to see where where this this person fits. Um, they want to be in Texas post MBA, which is I just think is quite obscure. I hate to offend all those folks from Texas, but <laughs> well, no, it's just very specific. I mean, that was, yeah, what was that, I mean, they're in India. You know, it's kind of was, specific. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was quite specific. So, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I, I know some. I, I lived in Texas even for a few months myself. Oh, so that's right. I forgot about I sp that. Speak speak for a little bit of experience um, and a positive experience on my part. Yeah. Um, but but they also uh, want to seek out scholarship and get to the front office. So um, if they're seeking out scholarship, they probably have to adjust their targets down a little bit um, to get that sort of fifty percent. Um, ride or whatever it is that they're, they're really going after. So I would say this profile might fit in that sort of traditionally sort of that top 16 type band. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got, you know, Tuck, Duke, um, Ross um, on their list, Darden. So I think they're being reasonably realistic in terms of their target schools. But if they want to get the offer with scholarship, um, then, yeah, Rice, McCombs um, would would be um, schools to look at, maybe Goizetta yeah. um, mm -hmm. and so forth um, to look at those. There are other challenges. They're really going to have to go all in in round one. Yeah. 
um, because they're going to be overrepresented, most likely, in terms of coming from India, um, this type of work, and, and so on and so forth. Um, so it, when you are overrepresented, round one becomes more important. We talk about that all the time. But the tragedy is, it's more, it is quite significant. So let's say they s applied to half their programs in round one, and then the other half in round two. It's, it's, it's going to be harder to get into those programs in round two, let alone get scholarship offers. So I would, they really need all their schools that they're targeting to the best that they can get them all in in that first round. Yeah, I mean, this is it, it's an interesting candidacy because on the one hand you say, okay, they they have good numbers, but they're sort of back office, they're in India, so they're overrepresented and, you know, c competing against people who might be front office, right? So so there's that aspect. And so then you would say, okay, we'll just, you know, take those great numbers, put it together, solid application and apply in round one, like you're saying. But then they have and that- And get great recs. Yeah. And then they have that little wrinkle though, where they're like, and I'd also like to get 50% scholarship. And my first yeah. thought was, I don't know that that's going to happen. I mean, I think, obviously- if they want to be in Texas, they could take a completely different strategy, which is, you know, Rice, McCombs, SMU, mm. um, maybe Goizueta uh, from Emory or so, you know, schools that have decent placement track records in that market. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but they have some schools that are ranked higher on their list too. And, and I, you know, they want to aim pretty high. It seems they have Wharton on their list or Columbia, you know, so it's an interesting quandary, but I agree with you. The best way to do it would be have great racks, great application, apply early and apply to all your schools if you yeah. can. And then you just see where the chips fall because, you know, they might end up saying, yeah, I got my 50% scholarship at, you know, Rice, um, but I also got to, you know, in with no, no money at, you know, uh, Columbia or something, right? So they're going to have to make that decision. Yeah. But it's... Um, it, it can be done. I, I feel like, like you said, this person has plowed a path. They're they're clearly a go-getter, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems that way to me. So, yeah, so there's opportunities for this candidate. They just need to really get their ducks in a row and apply early. Yeah, absolutely agree. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Thanks to that person for sharing their profile. Uh, hopefully this was helpful to them. Uh, let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So our final candidate this week comes from an ApplyWire uh, entry as well. They want to start, um, I, they say 23, but I think they're they're really looking at next fall. And they have Harvard, Kellogg, Stanford, and Wharton on the list. Uh, they have been working in consulting and uh, also as a PM in tech. They want to get into tech after business school. Uh, they've got Amazon, Apple, Google, and Microsoft as target companies on the list. They have a GRE score, a very high score of 332. Um, so we're having some pretty big GRE scores this week. <laughs> uh, and then they have a GPA of 3.4. They say they have five years of work experience. They're located in London and they would love to get themselves to California after business school. And they note that they are a Nigerian um, seeking an MBA within an M7 school in the United States. And they say, my biggest concern is my age as I'm 32. So Alex, what's the missing piece of this puzzle? Because yeah. you uncovered it right away and had to yeah. left them a comment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be quite frank. We don't know a lot about this candidate. So, no. so, um, so, so be that as it may, they're 32 years old from Nigeria with five years of experience. So they must have done some graduate work. Yeah, something. Um, and maybe a PhD or whatever it is. But we need to know more about that, their academic profile. Obviously, their GRE score is really good. Um, and... Um, 
and yeah, they're from Nigeria, which again is starting to look more like a, a bit of an overrepresented market. So targeting the first rounds is going to be very good for them. Um, as an older candidate, they're really going to have to show fit um, for each of the programs they're applying. And if they do have graduate degrees, which um, would, would appear to be the case, um, they, they also need to make sure they don't come across as someone that's just simply going from one university to the next collecting degrees. Um, but, but, you know, having five years of experience sort of um, helps um, with, with that particular um, issue. Um, so that experience itself, what's the impact, what's the growth, um, you know, how, what have they done, why are they now wanting to go to California, what are their goals in terms of technology post-MBA, um, you know, is, is there something, I mean, they want to be a product manager post-MBA, so, uh, do, they, you know, do they have a strong engineering background, et cetera, et cetera, all this needs to dial in. Just because they've got a great GRE, um, all the other docs in a row are going to need to work. And, you know, they've got Harvard, Kellogg, Stanford and Wharton on their list. <laughs> yeah. I think they need to add Haas um, for a start. Um, and, yeah. There's, yeah. there, are, there are quite a few unknowns. This could be a really outstanding candidate, Graham. We just don't really know um, yeah. um, at, this, at this stage. I'd want to know other things like, why now? Yeah. You know, at 32, why is it important to get a two-year degree um, MBA um, other than you want to um, move now to um, the US, which mm -hmm. you don't want that reason to be the principal reason. Adcom's not going to like that. Yeah, it's interesting because right, they have five years of work experience, and if they graduated university at twenty-two or so, that would make them, you know, like twenty-seven, um, yeah. and so they're thirty-two. So there's this gap. We don't really know what they were doing. So yeah, a lot of a lot of missing information here. Uh, I will say, what do you make of the fact that they're Nigerian, which you mentioned, you know, maybe now becoming a more overrepresented market, but that they're in London? Yeah, does that add to the? Is that a good thing or? I mean, I think it's a good thing in terms of they, they're out of um, Africa. I mean, they yeah. they moved on not that being in africa is a bad thing but it's it's a second country so whether it's it's like an indian candidate that's applying from dubai sure or, or, yeah, that's or, an international, or whatever it's yeah, the same sort of principle right yeah um but i think we probably see quite a few nigerian applicants applying from london i think that's quite a well-trodden path yes fair um for 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 those folks um but yeah i think that adds yeah um but but they've got to answer a lot of other questions to then really determine is um, I mean, they've gone for the Elite M7, basically. Yeah. Um, is, is, is that really um, um, a, a legitimate um, target? And it might well be. We just don't know. Yeah, and I had, I had two other ideas about this candidate, which I wanted to share. So the first is, you know, I, I know they want to get to the U.S. and stuff, and they want to work in tech, but there was a little part of me that was thinking, wow, you know, given their kind of profile and age, like, should they be looking at, you know, Cambridge, which is good for tech placements and yeah. only a one-year degree? Um, or, you know, I was talking about IMD or INSEAD. You know, these are one-year faster. Um, obviously, this would mean staying probably in London or somewhere in a major market in Europe and working in tech. Um, but I wanted to mention that. And then the other thing was, with respect to the U.S. schools... I mean, I have no problem with them, you know, keeping these schools on their list and aiming really high. As you say, the numbers are pretty good and stuff, and maybe all their ducks are in a row. But I also would look at, you know, 
could they could they hit their career goals by going to Duke or a UT Austin or a Foster, you know, schools with decent tech placements that are in markets that have some tech and um, et cetera. So I, I just was yeah. wondering about that. Now I recognize those schools are not, um, you know, they have Harvard and Stanford on the list and, you know, they're obviously looking, they say specifically to go to an M7, but I would encourage them to at least look yeah. at some of these other programs. Uh, you know, it's it's obviously a function of, what are the missing details that we don't have that that would make me better able to, to tell them where where they should be looking? But at least we can give them the full spread of of options here. Yeah, yeah, very good. All right, so thanks for picking out these candidates, Alex. As always, we we managed to do a relatively speedy review this week, which was good because I know last week we we went on to talk a lot a lot about some of the news happening in our space. But um, yeah, and thanks so much for sharing those thoughts about Lori. She'll be sorely missed, and uh, yeah, appreciate you you know sharing that story. Yeah. Very good. Best luck, everyone. Take care.